Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wicked has officially been running for 20 years, and I still have not been in it. I mean, someone deserves jail time for this. Oh my god, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my god, guys. Did you hear? Oh my god, guys. Did you hear? Oh my god, guys. Oh my god, guys. Oh my god, guys. Oh my god, guys. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, last night I got to see Harmony, the new musical on Broadway with music written by Barry Manilow, and what the hell? I was blown away. I didn't really know what the show was. I truly thought it was like a beautiful noise, like Neil Diamond musical situation where it's like, you know, a bio musical about this person. I had no idea that it was like an actual incredible story and the music is unreal. I was like floored. The show is set in Germany in the 1920s and 30s. It's really heavy in some parts, but absolutely beautiful in others. It's frightening and it's so, so timely. And the performances are incredible. I mean, Sierra Bogus and Julie Benko sing this unbelievably beautiful duet. It's so stunning. I cannot recommend this show enough. And I really hope they get to have a good long run because this show deserves it. And with that, you guys, we got to dive right into this week's Broadway World recap, brought to you by my friends at broadwayworld.com. First, you guys, we have got to talk about the casting announcement for the replacements for Sweeney Todd and Mrs. Lovett in the Broadway revival of Sweeney Todd. Y'all, Sutton Foster is going to be Mrs. Lovett. What? What? Aaron Tavay is going to be Sweeney Todd. I'm so confused. I... I love both of these performers. This is absolutely no shade to their incredible talents and careers, but this was out of left field, honey. I am confused. I just feel like Mrs. Lovett is such a hard person to cast because she has to feel like she's at her, the end of her rope, you know? There's like nowhere for her to go. She has to stay in this pie shop. And Sutton Foster is just so like shiny and sparkly and lovely. And I feel like, I don't know, I... I I'm interested to see if she can pull off the desperation that it takes to be Mrs. Lovett. And Aaron Tveit, I mean, amazing, talented, Gorgina. He's so hot. It, this is not one who I would have anticipated being considered for Sweeney Todd. So who knows? I still have not even seen the revival with Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford, and I do want to catch it before they leave. But I will be very interested to see how these two take over and make the roles their own. Next, you guys, we got the official confirmation that The Heart of Rock and Roll, a new musical comedy featuring music by Huey Lewis and the News, is going to arrive on Broadway in 2024. And this one, they've made clear, is a jukebox musical. It's not telling the story of Huey Lewis and the News. Um, it's just featuring their music. Uh, and I'm interested to see what this will look like. It looks like a really fun rock and roll vibey show and it centers around a couple and you know the the power of love as it were so who knows this could be really fun i'm looking forward to seeing um casting announcements and i will be sure to keep you updated on all things the heart of rock and roll 
Next, you guys, Broadway World has a beautiful first look at photos from Leah Michelle's Carnegie Hall debut concert. And oh my God, I wish I could have been there. My bestie, Leslie Blake Walker, friend of the pod, was able to go. And she said that it was an absolutely incredible night. Leah entered from the back of the house singing Don't Rain on My Parade. Like literally an homage to Glee, but also obviously her like career making star turn as Fanny Bryce. Like, oh God, she closed the show with Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I, I'm i in awe of Leah. I have had the pleasure of meeting her a few times and she is such a lovely, just sweet, earnest person and her talent is truly unmatched. So congratulations to Leah. Congratulations to Jonathan Groff and Darren Chris who got to join her on stage at Carnegie and... Uh, you guys, check out these photos on BroadwayWorld.com because she looks stuntina. And lastly, you guys, in a bit of kooky London theater news, we just got the announcement that Ramin Karimloo and Michelle Visage are going to star in the Addams Family in concert in London. This is the first time that this show is being done as a concert on the West End, and I'm so intrigued by this casting. I mean, Ramin, obviously, phenomenally talented. He's going to be playing Gomez. Um, but Michelle Visage, what a sort of like left field choice for Morticia Adams. Michelle is, I think, most known now for being a, a, a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. But um, she did have a career in the music industry a long time ago. And, you know, she's a sort of formidable personality in the world of entertainment TV. So who's to say that she couldn't rock it out with Morticia Adams? The show is going to play two nights at the London Palladium, Monday, February 12th, and Tuesday, the 13th of 2024. And I so look forward to sharing the rest of the casting announcements with you guys as they come out. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. He is a director, choreographer, performer, and an absolute angel of a man. Please welcome my dear, dear friend, Mr. Brian Knowlton. Welcome. Oh my God, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here. Can you tell us where are you calling in from? Uh, I am calling in from New York City uh, from my apartment up in Washington Heights. Come on, baby. In the Heights. How in long have heights. you been there? Um, we've been in this apartment for exactly a year um but for the past five years we've been uh traveling back and forth between here and london oh my UK. god uk babes uk hun yeah. oh my god yeah. tell me everything what is it like to to be living sort of like this this double experience of like working here Bi in continental yes <laughs> yeah it's it's been quite the adventure you know i think when I first, when we first moved over to London, it sort of was this, I romanticized it a lot because mm -hmm. I just was so excited. <laughs> um, and then, you know, reality sets in, you know, kind of like six months in and, you know, realizing that work was going to be a little bit more difficult to find over there. And I sort of predominantly most of my work is here in the United States and, you know, regionally and, and here in New York. So I was a little nervous to dive in and then bam, pandemic happened. And so I was, I was over there for the, the majority of the pandemic. And then it just so happens that of course, you know, this is how it always goes. You know, as soon as I start getting all this work over here, then everybody starts calling me over there. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've been sort of doing a little multitasking of going back and forth, but, um, you know, over the time, my husband and I sort of discovered, my husband Brett, um, and I discovered that, you know, for this next chapter, we want to really be together. And in order to do that, we have to be in the same country. Totally. So. In the same he, hemisphere. So he had to move back. <laughs> <laughs> Period. So he got on the plane. Period. And came back. Amazing. Well, I am so excited to hear about all of, of your your work. And, you know, you mentioned what you do in the city. And I'm, I'm so excited to have you because you are one who I first and foremost have just looked up to for so long. I first got to know you when we worked together at the McHayden Theater and you were my director choreographer for multiple shows in that crazy cuckoo summer 
at the Mac Hayden. <laughs> but you are also a teacher in, in New York City. And I have been able to take your class multiple times and I absolutely love it. And I, I want to ask you about sort of the way that you have cultivated this teaching element of your career because your your class is so open and inviting and you create such a, a beautiful um, learning environment and that's not always the case in New York City and in dance class and I think a lot of times people can be really really um, scared and and don't even push themselves to go to a class because it's not the same it's not the vibe that you and you know people similar to you create so tell me how did you how did you first go about um, creating that world for for you and your teaching so when I first started, when I first moved to the city, I was always taking class at like Broadway dance. Um, that was kind of my my go-to place. And I learned very quickly that some of the classes were, uh, and, and this has happened over time too. So it wasn't just then, but it's also happening now where um, a lot of, I find a lot of the classes are quite intimidating um, when they should be a learning environment in which people should feel their safest. Um, and so I, before I started, you know, investigating and, and kind of teaching a lot, both at Steps and Broadway Dance Center and, and adjunct professor at a, at a couple of universities, I discovered that, okay, what type of class do I want to take? What, like, what type of class would I want to take? And what does that actually look like? And so, you know, it was a learning curve, you know, I, I, I didn't come to it right away, but I feel like my personality is pretty is pretty chill and inviting and <laughs> I try like mean? to <laughs> and I try to just like create that safe environment for all for anybody yeah. you know a, per- a perfect stranger and and so cultivating that dynamic in in a educational setting is really really important and so over time I've been able to mix both my love and and joy for dancing and mixing that in with um, my meditation and utilizing my meditation mm. as sort of the guide to, to, as to how I wanted to teach class. You know, I always end every single class with holding our hearts and telling ourselves that we love ourselves and we're listening and making sure that you just take a second to ground and, and be thankful, you know, and every time I, I teach, I tell every student, you know, this class is not for me, this is for them. Right. You know, and it's it's important that you feel safe to fall down so that you can get back up. Class is meant for you to go in and mess up and then get back up and do it again and do it even better. Yes. You know, because otherwise where are you supposed to learn? You know, totally. and those environments have to be safe in order for that to happen. So that's sort of how it came about. And I feel very strongly about having those environments be safe uh, creatively for every student. Mm-hmm. It's really important to me. And it's, it's so interesting. There's, um, sort of a culture more and more now of, um, recording class material. And I think I'd love to know your thoughts on that because I could see, I could see there being both sides of the argument where it's like you, you as a, as a, um, teacher and choreographer look, hopefully, you know, look forward to having, um, recorded material so that you can have, you know, an archive of things that you've created and you can look back on things and and tweak things and take stuff from your own material and use it moving forward. But then on the other side of things, you know, it, like you said, it's a class environment. We're here to learn. We're here to dance and, and mess up. And when you you know, when you bring a camera into the room, it gets a little... People get nervous. Yeah, people get nervous. I get nervous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what is, uh, how do you navigate that? Are, are you like, please, please do this on your own accord? Or like, what do you, what are your yeah, ground rules? I mean, so like for, just for, I mean, my class specifically, like as far as recording inside the space, you know, everybody needs to wait till the end. But I kind of leave it up to the student. You know, if they want to record themselves, so, and I'm finding that, you know, in this culture now, the the students uh, of, you know, uh, uh, the younger generation need that material so that they can put it on reels and, and things and stuff, and uh, and also to learn and watch themselves. Right. Um, and then post, of course, on their socials. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but I, 
I leave it up to them. To be honest with you, I'm that dance teacher that forgets to film. So that's kind of why I don't. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so present in the moment with the students that I just forget to, to do it to film. And, and my student, and I have a couple of associates that have helped me teach in class before. And they've been like, Brian, you have to film. And I just, honestly, I forget. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm okay with that. That's what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it, it makes, if it makes me very, very present in the room. And that's what I care most about. It's about the student, you know, not getting some video archive. Totally. But at the same time, for places, um, in order for promotion, like to promote your class, you do need that material. So, you know, I, you know, I believe that everybody should do it, you know, once or twice to start getting footage so that you can cultivate a following. That's really, really important. It took me a really long time, you know, to get the sort of following that I have. Um, because I was new to teaching in New York City. And so that, that took, that took a second, Mm -hmm. you know, my first few classes I was like six people seven people and (laughs) and you know we're we're paid but we're paid by the number of students that come right so it's important to to promote it yeah you know so um but that's kind of how I feel about it you know it's it has its good and it's bad and you know if you're gonna film wait till the very last second make sure that every student had an opportunity and 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 if we're going to film in class, let's talk about it. Let's have the dialogue of what it feels like to film in class. Why do we get nervous? Let's fall. Let's get back up because it's video. We can edit it. Right. You know, right. let's start that dialogue, you know, rather than it's not black and white. It's, there's a whole bunch of color in there. Totally. Totally. And I mean, I think that that also, you know, how you spoke about people having and needing, um, you know, material for reels and, and websites and whatever. And when you're a performer, you like so desperately cling to like any possible like proof that you did it and you were <laughs> on stage in the room. And that obviously, you know, like swings over into the, the world of performance as well and actual productions. And um, I would love to hear about your, how, how you go about taking on the role of director and choreographer for a main stage musical. I mean, I've gotten to do, I think three of your three, three or four shows. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always a different experience because of the material, but you bring such joy and light and love to, I mean, just every room, honestly, but especially when you are in a leadership position like that, where, you know, we're, we're all looking to you to, to steer, the ship how do you first take on that role you know it's 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 been over time you know i've i've been learning for a very long time from some greats you know people like Bayork, ali and bob avian and you know people like clayton phillips who was you know the associate to hal prince for for over a decade and Mm -hmm. and you know people like john saunders I've learned from them and taken sort of bits and pieces of how they work and cultivated it for myself and, and trying to figure out how it works for me and in my voice. Um, you know, I've, I think something that I've learned very, very, very recently is how important my voice is, Hmm. um, in my storytelling. I think before I was trying to, achieve getting my voice out by thinking that I needed to be of commercial, like of of a commercial success Uh when that I don't believe is necessarily the case because I'm weird (laughs) 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 and I'm okay with that. It's been very recent that I've, I've sort of, I've sort of discovered that, but it's, it's through, you know, I've spent a lot of my, a directing and choreographing career doing revivals. You know, I, I've been blessed to work with, you know, on some new projects, which has been great, mm-hmm. but the majority, the, the majority of my, of my work has been revivals. So the way I go about it is, okay, so like we're doing a revival, but how, how can this look different and why are we telling this story now? And that's kind of how I approach every, every sort of piece of work I do mm-hmm. is, you know, how can we tell this now with the, with, and utilize in utilizing the talent? How can we, how can we achieve 
a different version of it. Um, and I, you know, so far, knock on wood, that's worked out pretty well for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's sort of like how I go about it. You know, I start, I start from, from very simple stuff like lyrics uh, or color, or, you know, I've worked on what, like West Side Story, for instance. I remember I was like, gosh, you know, how do you tell this story differently when it's always done sort of the same way with Jerome Robbins choreography? Right. You know, I went to actually go see um, uh, Jerry's uh, exhibit at Lincoln Center right before I said it. Uh, it, was, it was just kismet that it was happening. And at the same time that I was getting ready to go set it. And I just looked at like all of his, his writings and, and stuff and did a lot of research and found out like more of the simple aspects of West Side Story that I believe um, ne not aren't always necessarily showcased in that show. Yeah. And, you know, it, I, I came about of like, it's about death, you know, mm -hmm. pretty dark, you know, material. But what does death look for people? They want to hold on to hope, right? So I had like Bernardo and Riff come back as ghosts in the second act. Oh. So that's like sort of my my take on it, you know, is like, okay, how, what does the audience, the audience misses them, you know, but like what happens aren't, aren't like, don't we feel like, okay, like we have people that pass away in our lives, like they don't go away, they're always with us, right. you know, so bringing that sort of into the mix yeah. created a new, a new version of it, so that's sort of how I come about cool. stuff. I try to think outside the box. Yes. <laughs> as you, as you always do, because every show that I've gotten yeah. to do with you has been so different and exciting. I mean, just like thinking back to the production of Mamma Mia that you <laughs> created, directed and choreographed was <laughs> unlike any production of Mamma Mia I have ever seen and been a part of. Cuckoo. It was so fun though. And it, it made it, yeah. it made it new. It made it fresh. I mean, you know, a show like that where it, it just could be done the same way time and time again, mm -hmm. but you know, you, you make it different, but that's so interesting because, um, you know, you mentioned Bob Avian and Bayork and, you know, all of the people. Mm -hmm. I, of course, have to ask you about A Chorus Line and, and sort of the impact that that show has had on your life, um, because that is one that is pretty much always done in the same sort of fashion, you know, with the, the same exact poses and the choreography and the line and all of that. And I, I'd love to know... Um, you know, first about your experience just getting to do it on Broadway and on tour, but then, you know, you you have set the show and directed and choreographed it outside of that numerous times, and I'd love to know um, how you change it up for yourself, or or if you if you keep it the same. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> about about the show itself, I um, I so I I've always been a chorus line baby. You know, there's other people who are like Forty Second Street kids or stuff like that, mm -hmm. and I've always I've always been attracted to chorus line. I think specifically Paul. Um, yes. I'm I'm Dominican myself, uh, uh, first generation Latino, and and his story just it it, it resembles it resembles a lot of my own personal journey as a gay. Um, as a, as a gay man in, in New York City and in theater mm -hmm. and having, you know, a father that um, necessarily didn't show all the love all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and being afraid to, to come out. Um, and so that always just was so inspiring to me. And, you know, when I, I had done the show previously a few times, but um, the first time that I got to play Paul was at Casa Manana and in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm -hmm. And it was it, it was directed and choreographed by Carrie Casserly, um, who was one of the Christines on Broadway. I think Michael Bennett's favorite Christine, actually. Period. Um, and yeah, so it's, she's amazing. Um, and I ended up meeting Chrissy Whitehead, who is my best friend. Um, and then that was happening at the same time as the revival. So Chrissy like was, and, and E. Clayton Cornelius was in that production mm -hmm. as well. And they were going to the revival directly after Casa Manana. So um, I didn't make I didn't make it 
to the final callbacks on the stage and stuff, but I, I made it pretty far, but I just didn't get it. It wasn't my time. Right. And, and looking back on it, I know I wasn't ready for it. And then when it ended up happening, when I ended up getting the show on Broadway, that's when it, that's, I was ready for it then. I could handle it. Yeah. Um, but it was a remarkable, remarkable experience. You know, I, I met some, some of my closest friends, um, you know, both on, on Broadway and then on the first national and, um, it was, it, it's just part of the legacy, you know, of musical theater, some of the most iconic choreography and, and music that you'll ever hear, yeah. you know, and, and the, you know, the Hamilton of its time or, you know, yeah. all the shows that have this great, great impact, you know, of course. Um, and I'm, I'm such, it's been such an honor to, to be a part of that legacy. You know, it's pretty cool that I get to say I'm the last, I was the last Paul on Broadway yes! until the revival, till that next revival comes, you know, girl. But that is so <laughs> wild. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be able to say like, yes, I, I, I did it. I had a hand in this iconic revival, which ran for a long time, but then also you, you played in my opinion, the best fucking part of the show. <laughs> like Paul <laughs> in a chorus line is just one that like, every i mean every dancer boy but like you said like every like yeah. person of color every queer you know person coming up through this industry and, and in this theater world like can can see themselves in paul and it's so yeah just amazing that you got to do it and there's so many like aspects of that of the of his of the the of his fabric the colors of his fabric are so intense and I think that's why it reaches out to so many people. Totally. And that's, that's like, that's when it, when art does that, that's when it's like pure gold. So you know? when you went into the show, did you have um, like an extensive um, like rehearsal process and put in, or was it like really, really quick? Um, so, so there was, I think, I don't, I don't remember, honey, it was so long ago, but uh, <laughs> Uh, but I, I, we, there was like a, a big turnover. Okay. So that uh, the original, the OG cast, part of those people, some of those people were leaving and then the new ones were coming in. Mm -hmm. And I was part of that new, the new cast with like Krista Rodriguez and Nick Adams and, yes, you know, Jay Elaine Marcos and all that, that group. And then, so I rehearsed with them. But Jason Tam, I replaced Jason Tam, and mm -hmm. at the time he had to finish out his contract, I guess. So everybody went. I rehearsed with the cast, the new cast. They went in in July, and then I went in in August. And so we rehearsed normal. I think I, I believe we rehearsed three weeks. I believe three or four, and then they went in. And then when I came back, I had like. I rehearsed for like three days and then my, I had a 10 minute put in before I went on for my first oh my time. God. They asked me, they were like, what do you want to run? And I was like, I want to run the breakout and I want to run the wedge. You're like, <laughs> Cause like I you know, run doing the, the triangle. I was like, I don't, I don't, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> oh my God. That's insane. And was that with, um, with the team, like with Biork and, and all of the mm -hmm. creatives? With Bob and Biork. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, that's just wild to know. I mean, I got, I have gotten to meet Bayork a few times and it's always just so wild to me to, to meet people like that who just sort of are these like conduits to old Broadway, like old theater yeah. and like what it, what it came from. I think it has sort of become watered down over time. Not a chorus line, but you know, just like the sort of legacy of, of what it means mm -hmm. to be in an original company. Um, but, you know, with people like Bio... And, that, like, and with a show like that, you know, she was in that room helping creating. some of the most famous people in musical theater. Right. You know, Insane. between Michael and Bob and, and Donna. Donna and, yeah. Yeah, you know. just It's just wild. So the fact that, like, you know, I now get to talk to you about it and you had your, your like time to get to do it on Broadway. It's just amazing. And then you went out with the first national, like you brought it all across yeah. the country. That is so wild. Yeah. My, the tour, the tour is a funny story. So the gentleman that was playing Paul, I, so I had closed the show closed in, I don't remember in August, I believe July or August. I'm, I don't remember. And, um, 
about two months later, the, the, the tour had already been out for like three months. I think it went out in May or June of that summer that we closed. And um, I was in my final callbacks for Mary Poppins. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to book this show. I'm definitely going to book it. I can feel it. And, you know, I worked with Jeffrey Garrett, who was Matthew Bourne's assistant associate on Mary Poppins. We did Oliver together, Cameron McIntosh's Oliver. So I, I felt like pretty good about yeah. it. And my, <laughs> and my agent called me right before I was going to walk in the room for my final callback for Poppins. And he was like, do not go in that room. And I was like, what do you mean don't go in the room? I was like, girl, I'm going to book this job right, right now. Right. And he's like, no, you ain't. He's like, you're going out on tour in five hours. Uh, He's like, you're on a flight. You're on a flight to Cleveland and you're going to go watch the show tonight. And then you're going to do your put in tomorrow and then go into the show the next day. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. Cause the kid who played Paul got appendicitis. So I went in, I, I replaced him for like a month or two and then I came back and then, um, I then the gentleman playing Paul was leaving, and so they asked me to come out and finish out the first national. And so then I went back out for a while. Incredible. So you, I yeah. mean, I would assume that having done it, you know, that many times, you would sort of feel a sort of like ownership over not just Paul, but you know the the show and and being part of that legacy. So then, when you go on to um either like set the show or direct and choreograph it um how do you sort of like pass on the torch do you feel that same sort of like ownership over like the way things are done or do you sort of let let people be you know their new version of the show i i i I never take i mean i do take ownership of my work in the sense of like, it's, it's work and I have to do the very best that I can possibly do. But I leave it up to the actor, you know, that it's the actor's choice to bring new light to it, a, a fresh pair of eyes, mm. you know? And so I have set the show, I have set the show three times. I think, I believe three. And um, each time has been totally different. You know, um, when I, the first time I said it, um, was after that first national, I, I said it probably like a year later. Um, I said it for a company called Seacoast Repertory Theater, which is in my hometown of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Yes. And, uh, it's a professional theater. It's, they do great work. And, um, I got Michelle Aravena to play Cassie Wow. and Michelle, and Michelle and I did a course line on Broadway together and she went on for Deanna quite a bit. And she and I were very, very close during our run in New York. So, um, she came on board and so I had I had someone there that was like of that world. Right. But then we both got to because then we were older, we got to watch some of the younger kids sort of blossom and, and grow into their own ver- new versions of these characters. But what I will say, so and then I said it a couple more times, right? But the last time <laughs> I said it, which is which will be the last time I said it, I know never say never, but I I'm, I'm good on the chorus line. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it and I respect it, but I, I want to challenge myself to do stuff. Totally. And so the last time I did it, I tried to mess with it and it didn't go the way I wanted it. <laughs> it was like as though Bob and Michael were like rolling over in their graves just being like, no, no, Brian, that's not how it's done. And I didn't change any of the choreo. I just changed the, I changed the set the mirrors were a little bit more art deco. And then I had the line, the line lit up uh, oh, wow. with like LEDs. And then I changed the costuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had the beginning of the show, I had people coming out warming up. Oh, I right at the top that. as people were coming in, which I thought was interesting. Cause like, let's give people, you know, a, a version of what actually really happens, right. you know? And so like when, you know, if, if, Andy Blankenbuehler or Mia Michaels or any of these these more famous choreographers come into a room, director choreographers come into a room, you know, the the room claps for these people because of their their great work, Absolutely. you know? And so that's how we started the show. Uh-huh. You know, the director, you know, Zach came in and everybody started applauding. And then, you know, 
he like brushed past Cassie and like, you know, Bobby gave a look and Sheila was like, mm, mm, you know, it was, <laughs> so like, it was different, but I don't think Michael was very happy because it just didn't go right. <laughs> well, for, for people who may not know, would you mind explaining the difference between setting a show and choreographing a show? Because they are very different experiences, both, you know, for the person setting the show and for the people, the actors, performers being, you know, having a show set on them. Yeah. So when you set a show, basically what ends up happening is you're taking choreography that already exists and then setting it on the dancers. Um, And so that's sort of how that works. You know, if you're going to go, do West Side Story with all that drums choreography, you know, someone would come in that knows that choreography and then, you know, if the theater obviously has the rights, we'll come in and set that choreography on the actors. Um, Whereas if, you know, you're doing a new show, you know, and or a revival of something, you have choreography that the choreographer will make up. I mean, I do a lot of pre-production for my my choreography so I'll spend like for West Side Story for instance I spent probably a total of I don't know like over the course of a month probably about 40 hours choreographing Mm -hmm. um, every single number so that I could just walk in the room and have that choreography ready and rear to go but I wasn't using Jerome Robbins so that's the difference and that's so interesting too that you because I I feel like for for well I guess just in my mind I would imagine if you were going to set a show, you would most likely want to have been a part of that show in some capacity, mm-hmm. in like an original sense, you know? I mean, yeah, gonna... and nine times out of ten, people are, yeah. you know what I mean? They 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 have a relationship or rapport with the estate, uh, or, or, or sorry, the show, yeah. that they can go ahead and then set it. Totally. But then you chose to do your own choreography for Westside. Correct, yeah. Wild, honey. That is oh, that's the, one that's of the hardest I've ever show. done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Well, I mean, you you did just mention it, but your pre-pro is so amazing. And you have associates, you know, out the wazoo who can do amazing work f- with and for you. But I will never forget the first day of Damn Yankees rehearsal. Girl, we were <laughs> dancing. I was Twirling. Like, <laughs> We started with Shoeless Joe, the biggest number in the show. And I was like, what have I signed up for? Beach had (laughs) us dancing. But then by the, because, you know, at the Mac Hayden, it's, it's go, go, go. It's, you have zero time. You're already late. Like the the minute you start, you're like, we have tech tomorrow. So we were just like (laughs) flying through dance numbers. But then I was so, so lucky and fortunate to get to be in um, the number Two Lost Souls because you so beautifully crafted this this Fosse number. And it just became like my favorite thing that I have ever gotten to do. And I would just love to hear about like, do you do you choreograph with um, with dancers in mind or do you? choreograph phrases and then you sort of show up and figure out like okay these are the bodies these are the dancers you know this this is what it's going to look like so these are the things i have to adjust to make it all fit together uh it it definitely there's definitely a process so like you know nine i mean if i am working on a show i usually will have cast it so i'll know what 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 i'm working with who i'm working with right Who's coming in? Yeah. So like I just did a show down at Cape Rep, um, down on the Cape. And I was working with uh, the very, very talented Trish LaRose and for her one woman show. And she wanted to challenge herself like with choreography and, and dancing. And so, you know, I built it around her and what I thought she might be able to do. And then we got in the room and challenged that, you know, to either make it better and or cut things so that she can sing. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what I mean? So it just, it depends on the job. But for me, like I would say like with West Side Story and or a Dan Yankees or any shows that have quite a bit of dancing, what I do is I actually listen to the recording 
over and over and over again. I try to hear every instrument in the orchestrations. Um, I try to hear the weird stuff to try to get at that, to paint with that color in there. And then usually what I'll end up doing is, is I'll build, I don't, I used to do a number in a day, but now I take my time. I, I'm older, so <laughs> she doesn't, she doesn't go as quick as she used to, but like, so what I'll do is I'll like choreograph half a number in a day. So, and I'll spend, you know, I don't know, probably about three hours on a number, um, trying to fine tune it. But then what I also do is I really try to leave room for the art to happen in the actual room. So that I'm not, I, I, like, I'll have a great rough draft of what I think it's going to be. And then once we get in the room, the actual rehearsal room, it's going to change and adapt. And and nine times out of ten for the better. So if, if I leave that room, then I am allowed a little bit more artistic license, which is really great. Gorge. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I love it. Well, switching gears a little bit, I would love to hear about um, your experience growing up as a first-generation Latino gay child. But with a passion for dance and art, because um, your your passion is so clear in everything that you do in in your work in your choreography, you you just exude this love for it. And I I have always loved watching you dance because you just you do it like there's nothing better or like nothing you love more. Um, and was, was that <laughs> it's always true. the case? Like, tell me what, what was your upbringing like? Was it, was it a dance background? Um, yeah. My, my mama was a dancer, uh, is a dancer, I should, I should say. And my, my aunt is a dancer and my grandmother was a dancer and my dad is a dancer. So uh, not professionally, they just like, they would do like the hustle and like, mm-hmm. you know, they would go to dances together and stuff. <laughs> and so I, that always has been a part of our, my upbringing. Um, my dad is the, is Dominicano. Um, and so, but I really didn't grow up with him uh, like in the household uh, too much. Um, I didn't meet him until I was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so it was like that side plus my Italian side, cause I'm half Italian, half Dominican. And so the Italian side, we dance and <laughs> we're always very loud. <laughs> and so I had my grandma and my my mom who, who like introduced me to those old school MGM movies with like <sighs> Judy Garland and Gene Kelly and the pirate and like, you know, weird stuff like Judy Garland and uh, uh, the Harvey girls with like Angela Lansbury yes, and Sid Charisse and like, <laughs> yeah, it's like Angela's uh, first, one of her first movies and... Side note, she, I've said this before, but she's not even singing. That's her, a dub voice. Which, isn't that cuckoo? Insane. Insane. And she's a singer. Yeah, because then she <laughs> went on to become like one of the most formidable, like memorable vocalists <laughs> in the Broadway canon. 100%. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I grew up with that. I remember when my grandmother uh, brought me to go see Staying Alive with uh, John Travolta. And the woman that played uh, the white cat in Cats, in the original Cats in London, she was a, a soap opera star. She was on General Hospital. I'm forgetting her name. Oh, my God. But anyways, she's in that movie. And I was probably, I don't know, like 
four or five mm -hmm. and I was at the drive-in with my grandma and I just kept saying more dance more dance more dance <laughs> and she's like Brian calm down it's coming there's more <laughs> dancing coming so it started at a very young age and you know I, I was very fortunate enough to have a very supportive the trifecta it's like my mom my aunt my grandmother I would they supported they do support me in everything I I do in theater and you know, they try to come see all my work and they've always just been the great foundation of which I was able to spring board off of mm -hmm. and, and, and pursuing my dreams in, in theater in the entertainment industry. So yeah, you know, I, I was also taught by, um, Eileen Rogeson. She's my, my mentor. Um, and she was one of the original Mouseketeers. She danced with Elvis. Um, so like, and she was been in a whole bunch of movies. She like really pushed me too, you know, like, because yeah. I, I started kind of late, you know, I didn't know what a, you know, Sinead turn was until I was like, probably like 11 years old, 12 years old. <laughs> so now I'm really good at them though. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so it started at a, young, a very, very young age, you know, and, and now I think my, it just was ingrained in, it's always been ingrained in me that this was what I was going to do. And my passion and love for dance is because there's just nothing else that I know how to do. I, I you know, I had a, sort of a rough childhood growing up. I was very poor. And, and so this was, a, dance was an escape for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not having met my father, my biological father until sort of later in life and then meeting him and then it not being what I thought it was going to be. Sure. And, you know, it, dance was this this outlet for me when I was very lonely and I was just writing about this in my journal actually that <laughs> you know to see how far I've come it's it's so beautiful you know like I was I was a new I was I'm from New Hampshire so it's predominantly white state mm -hmm. and you know I maybe had like maybe three or four black kids in my class and you know I was the only out gay kid in my high school wow. you know so you know, so dance was that thing that I didn't have to pretend to be anything that I wasn't. I was just me, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's why I hold it so dear and close to my heart. And that's why I love sharing it with other people, because if it helped me, then it definitely can help other people. Hell yeah. You know? And we're so, so lucky and grateful that you do share it with, with all of us, because... <laughs> You've changed my life, Mr. Nolte. You have. Well, you, you mentioned her earlier, but I am dying to hear about Miss Chrissy Whitehead. Your, your <gasps> best friend, you said, but also... My bestie! Your, um, you are attached to her show, In My Own Little Corner, and I would love to hear about how you, how you collaborate with someone who you are so close with. It has been one of the most beautiful experiences I have ever been blessed to be a part of. Mm. Um, it has grown so much over the past probably six months. We've been working on the show for almost two years, actually. Um, it started with just myself, uh, Chrissy, uh, and Nick Wilders, who is our uh, composer and, and musical director. Um, and he did all the orchestrations for the show. It started off with just the three of us in a room creating creating art and, and telling Chrissy's story. Um, and of course, you know, as things go through workshops, we've cultivated a very different show from that first reading <laughs> to what it is from, from what it was to what it is now. It's, it's very, very different. Um, but uh, we have been blessed to have uh, Kirsten Wrinkle, who is our producer along with Chrissy, who is also the producer, executive producer on the, on the show, um, you know, to have this arts angel come in and, and just say, hey, listen, create, because she believed in the work that we we're doing. And the show itself um, stems, it, it's a story about Chrissy and her mom and the beautiful relationship that they shared together. Um, and what we've learned to grow, like what we've grown to learn over time is that the show is actually about mental health mm. and lifting the stigma and continuing a dialogue on how we can do that. Um, and so 
we just we just had our first stop on tour. We opened in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, oh, wow. this past weekend. Um, yeah, and uh, and then we're doing another big showcase to hopefully get more producers um, involved uh, with the project in January at Abrams downtown here in New York City. Fabulous. Uh, um, so it's been it's been joyous. You know, Chrissy and I have known each other for gosh almost twenty years, and working with her is been astonishing because we trust each other immensely Mm -hmm. i trust her she trusts me and you know we both have the utmost respect for one another um i have so much respect for her for sharing this story you know you know not only is it about her and her mom but it's her diagnosis of bipolar one Mm -hmm. uh being diagnosed with bipolar one and what that journey was for her and we've been friends like I knew her mom so like I've been the story that we're telling I've been a part of yeah a part of it the whole entire time so I have a really great eye on how we can wow. how we could maybe possibly tell this story and you know along with the help of our incredible dramaturg Ken Cerneglia he's absolutely brilliant um he worked on Town and Newsies and stuff he's our dramaturg for this so the two of them collaborating we've just we've it's just a really great group of human beings coming together for the greater good, you know, and, and, you know, the first half of the show is the show. And then the second half is this talk back and it's a talk back to invite the audience in to talk about mental health. And it's, it's those moments that are just like, uh, you know, we did our first talk back in front of a whole bunch of people like in, uh, in Alabama, but we had a talk back, not, not, you know, just a week ago with, you know, all of our team. And these, these conversations are wild, you know, and, and, and like, you know, and it's in a safe space, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we have a therapist that comes in for each talk back. So it's not like being led, you know, just for, you know, just out of, you know, Chrissy, just leading it. It's, it's a, a professional um, uh, mental health specialists coming in to help us navigate it and, and, and hopefully lift stigma. It's really, it's really magical. Absolutely. I'm really proud of it. I, I haven't been this proud of a piece in a really long time. Oh, and, I'm so glad. You know, I, I hope it does well and, and, if, and we'll see. Yeah. I'm really excited. Hell and yeah. I'm really excited for Chrissy. This is pretty, pretty remarkable for her. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited to see it. I can't wait. And I'm so glad that we yeah. got to share about it on the pod. Yeah, thank you. Plus, Chrissy Whitehead, always. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply well, before I let you go, my darling Brian, I have a series of rapid fire questions that I ask every single guest. This is not trivia. Okay. It is a musical theater uh, questionnaire just for you. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> okay. Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Sondheim. Sweatpants or jeans? Oh, sweatpants. <laughs> Do you have a favorite musical? No, I, I I love many. Okay. <laughs> do you have a, <laughs> do you have a least favorite musical? Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Would you care to share that least favorite musical? <laughs> it's just it's not it's nothing against anybody that's ever been involved with it or anything. 
but Rock of Ages is very vulgar to me. <laughs> I, <laughs> it makes me very uncomfortable. That is actually not, you are not the first person who has said Rock of Ages. Oh, okay. Um, would you ever like to do a Broadway play? Yeah. Uh, uh, direct it? Absolutely. Work. Come on. Yeah. Um, are you a morning person or a night owl? A morning person. You are, you sweet. Thing. I Look love at your the little, morning. You open your eyes with a sparkle every morning. I just know it. <laughs> Do my little gratitude prayers. Lucky for another day. <laughs> God, I love it. Um, <laughs> what is the craziest thing you have ever been asked to do as a director? Oh. Whoa, that's a really good question. Uh... Has there been a show where you're like, um, I'm sorry, what do you mean I have to do that? Uh, actually, yeah, I just, a musical or a play? Either. Either. I just did a children's show with, uh, called Corduroy at Winnipesaukee Playhouse, and I've never worked with so many props in my life. Oh, my ever. God. I, I felt like I was Susan Stroman. <laughs> That's how many props were in the show. <laughs> oh, my God. Props are hard. Props are hard. <laughs> I think we probably had about over 200 pieces. Oh my like, God. 200 props. Yeah, it was intense. And who, yeah. yeah, and someone has to track all of them. Good Lord. Ooh. Um, yeah. Golden age or contemporary? Oh, a mixture of both. <laughs> Do you have a favorite role that you have ever played? Duh, Paul. <laughs> um, coffee or tea? <laughs> tea i'm drinking tea right now um what about the hardest show that you have ever done oh the who's tommy was the hardest show i've ever Work. done were you you performed in yeah it or did you direct i was a performer in it yeah this was years ago uh and it's coming back to broadway she's coming back i'm so excited <laughs> i love that musical so much um but yeah i think i had probably I think I had like 10 costume changes in the first like 20 minutes of the show. It's wild. Oh that show, God. that tracking is really hard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite costume you've ever worn? Oh, definitely. Um, the finale costume and of course. Oh, mine. that gold. Come on. <laughs> oh, it's just, it, and you know, like not to be bougie, but like it, I, no one had ever worn it before because I was, custom I was baby. quite tiny. I, it was custom made for me. I'm very I felt small. so pretty. I'm very little. I was a, I was a size 26 inch waist <laughs> at the time. Brian. And I will never forget it. Rory, who was Rory Powers, who was the uh, super wardrobe supervisor on it. He was like, you bitch. You fucking donkey <laughs> ass. <laughs> um, do, you, do you recall who the silliest cast member in A Chorus Line on Broadway was? Or was it you? No, definitely not me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Silliest, I would say it would probably come down to like three people. I would say definitely Jaylene Marcos, 100%. Um, Charlotte Dambois. Oh, Miss Charlotte. She is, and you worked with her. She's you know how She's a playful she one. <laughs> and Jeffrey Schechter. Love. Yeah. Well, my last question for you is... What is one thing that you would tell baby Brian? Um, about the, about the biz, about anything? Anything you want. Um, I would tell baby Brian that it's all going to work out. So just be present. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, Brian, I just adore you. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Can you tell? Thank you so much. Tell the listeners, specifically those listeners who happen to be in New York City, when they can come and experience your magic in person in dance class. Uh, I am uh, gonna start probably most likely teaching like pretty like more regularly in January. Probably Yay! I have. I don't know when this airs, but I have a dance class tomorrow and uh, and November 17th. 
Fabulous. So I'll be at Broadway Dance. Come take. Yay! Oh, Brian, I yeah. just you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Jake, thank you so much for having me. This has just been just a joyful, joyful little experience. I'm so grateful for you. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you doing this. This is so cool. <laughs> thank uh, you. And I'm so like, I'm so like happy that you are, you're, you're finding your way too. And like the fact that you are doing this and you're, in, in Chicago <laughs> on the Broadway is amazing. Oh, you know, you. I, you know, I look up to you too, Harmon. I respect you immensely. So thank you thank for you. having me. <laughs> mm. You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.